All right. That's a good review, huh? It's a great review. Do you believe this is our last class? And then we have a review. We're building the final. Uh, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but you will not be in outer darkness. Okay. Bad joke. <laughs> it's going to be easy. It'll be like a piece of cake. You can bring your Bibles. You can bring your notes. Yay. You just can't bring your friend's Bible, and you can't bring your friend's notes. No. All right. Thank you, Brandy. <laughs> Actually, you've done really well in this class, right? Sandy and I were looking through the students. I mean, most of you have aced the class. Aced it. So that's either I'm way too easy, which is probably the case. Uh, no. Actually, you're way too smart. Actually, it's been very good. It's been a good semester. I've enjoyed it. So, oh, thank you. You get an A. All right, so we get kind of a, a serious class tonight. Hate to break it to you, um, but I want to talk about three words that um, hopefully will encourage us. But we are definitely uh, we are definitely going to talk about why Jude is a book of warnings, and um, and really, uh, let's just pray. Father, we commit these this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, I was just reading through Jude, and I was just thinking back through 1 John, and, and have you noticed the pattern in the general epistles? There's just been a ton of warnings. Have you noticed that? And what are some of the warnings that you've picked up on? What are some of the warnings? Yes. What's another warning? Yes. Good. What's another warning? Divisions. False teachers. Yeah. What other warnings? Andrew. Good. Different spirits, demonic spirits. Good. What else? What's a couple more warnings? Uh, a warnings in the negative sense. I, I guess. I guess, like First Peter talks about, if if you're barren, right, or unfruitful, it's because of that. So I guess we could we could say that. What are some obvious warnings, Joe? I was thinking about God's pattern of correction. Okay. Good correction. Very good. What's another one, Andrew? Good. Very the day of the Lord. Judgment. Right, warnings of judgment. Right. Um, there's also warnings of our life without love. Right. A life without love is looked at um, very clearly as a uh, as a meaningless life. Right. So I've just been thinking to myself, like, okay, now he's going to go into Jude here, and Jude. Uh, we understand is written in 67 to 70 AD. Jude is the half-brother of James. And the book is written to all believers. Okay, So it's not written to a specific church. But it's a book packed of warnings. And the warning is impending apostasy. Impending, well, that's a big word. Impending apostasy. Say that three times fast. Um, so 
apostasy is a big one. What is apostasy? What is apostasy? Uh, Zoe, what's apostasy? In your own words. Good. Turning away from God was was 100%, but excellent. Turning away from God to idols. Good. Uh, Chelsea, how would, what would you add to that? Okay. Okay, good. Brandon? Rejecting Christ, good. Oh. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. We need. <laughs> He just destroyed the anointing on that one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love you. Oh, that my son would have told me a joke like that. That's so good. All right, warning, warning against pasta, overconsumption of pasta. No. All right, that's good. Did you just make that up now, or wow, you are sharp. Josh Harris is not. He ceases to amaze me. It's good. Well, that's right. You have two boys, so. My son, <laughs> Chelsea, really likes that. Chelsea, you need a minute? <laughs> Somebody get her some pasta. No. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So why is it that apostasy is such a big deal through general epistles? And the reason why is because the church is complacent. Complacency. And I've been studying this this afternoon. This word complacency may be a little different than what we may think it is. Um, but he warns in Peter, First and Second Peter, he warns in John, he warns now in um, Jude, that because the church is complacent, and we see this here in the first three verses, that people come in... And they are unchallenged, they are un, unseen, they're unaware, and they are destroying the work of God, uh, the people of God, before the, the people of God are awake, all right? They're asleep at the wheel. You ever fallen asleep at the wheel? Not good. I, I used to drive a dump truck, and I fell asleep at the wheel one day. Thankfully, I was on a ramp, and I only hit the guardrail rather than several cars. But you just wake up in shock, right? You're like, ooh, you know, you're just kind of like gripping your, 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 uh, what's a good or your, your throat, or you're just kind of like you're grabbing the wheel. You're like in shock. Well, this is this is what's going on here. This is what's going on because uh, he he challenges them. Let's look at this uh, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. So he is starting the book with an amazing identity, a clarification of identity. And we've looked at these words, sanctified, those that are set apart and are, and are maturing, those that are preserved, which means people that are preserving are guarding carefully what God has given them. Okay? Uh, and that word is taro in the Greek. It literally means not you are preserving yourself, but you are 
guarding and looking carefully to what you've been given as something very valuable. And then you are called, which means you are invited by God and you have answered his summons. It's amazing. So he's talking to all believers and saying, listen, I, I want to make sure you are aware. In verse 3 is the key word. We see this all through the book of Hebrews, by the way, the word beloved. While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. So he's, he's saying, I wanted to talk about salvation. I didn't, and that word common I don't know if I like that word because some people won't, will want to make the gospel common. They'll want to make grace cheap. But in this particular uh, context, he's saying, I wanted, I wanted to talk about our, our, our salvation, what we share together. But I found it necessary to write you, exhorting you. That's a strong word. To strongly rebuke or strongly encourage you to contend earnestly. To contend. It's almost a word used in boxing. You are fighting to win. You are fighting for advantage. To earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. And that's the tragic tragedy right there. Unnoticed. You see that word? Unnoticed. 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 It means they walked right by you and they were not challenged. They, they are operating and they are, uh, there's ignorance that prevails. I love that. Ignorance is disrespect for the divine, right? It's more than just not knowing. It is an ignorance of the divine. And that's, we're warned about ignorance, um, that it's very, very uh, destructive. So, uh, notice what he says here. Uh, Unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, not only are they unnoticed, these are men or people or trends that were once given definition about and the definition was ignored. Wow. Shocking, isn't it? Shocking. So this is, this is important because the condition of, our, of the church in this age of the Laodicean age is complacent. Complacent. Okay. And, and I want to talk about what that word means. It's dull. There's a dullness. You ever work with a, with a knife and you're trying to cut bread? And the knife is dull. What's going on? What's going on with the bread? All right, it, it's a disaster, right? You're you're mashing the bread, and it takes a tremendous amount of effort. And by the time you cut through that piece of bread, it's mangled, right? So he's saying the church is dull. The church is dull, and this is what happens when when we leave our first love, when we leave fellowshipping with. God, and that's Revelations 2.4, and we're, we're going to get to these answers in a few minutes, okay? It's a casual Christianity. When, when our Christian faith is casual, then I am vulnerable to sin, okay? You know, why is it that we cannot 
address the sin that so easily besets us? Probably, not always, but probably there's a casualness in my faith where, uh, where the cross is not crucified my old life. So, what is complacency? Well, number one, complacency is when I'm satisfied with how things are. Now, studying this really convicted me. I don't know if it's going to convict you, but I'm sure it may. Uh, and that's okay. Conviction is good. Conviction means that God is loving us into change, right? There's no condemnation. Condemnation is sin is at the center, but conviction is love is at the center. So I'm satisfied with how things are, and I have no desire to improve them. Okay? So when I am complacent, it's a good indicator I am not growing. I have stopped growing. I've stopped challenging myself. I have stopped living in faith. And I have just, uh, I'm just coasting, right? Coasting. No longer pedaling on the bike, but now we're coasting. Well, what happens when you're coasting and you come up to a hill? What happens? You start, you have the inertia of the, of the hill, of the, of the uh, momentum of your coasting. But once you hit an incline, you lose your momentum, and then you start to go back. You start to retrogress. You start to move backwards. Instead of progression, you retrogress. It means you start to move backwards. Okay. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. Number two, compl complacency is I'm self-satisfied with negligence and carelessness which means I am okay with carelessness and negligence. It doesn't bother me or it doesn't bother. It, it doesn't, um, you know how you see things or you hear things the first time and it's like, whoa, you know, it's kind of a shock, right? There is a sensitivity to it. Well, when we're complacent, we get desensitized. And all of a sudden, the bad isn't really bad anymore. And the good is not so attractive anymore. And there's this desire, this animal nature of the, the thrill of the chase, right? This is negligence and carelessness. What, what's an example of negligence? How could we get comfortable with negligence? What would be an example of that? Brandon. Okay, good. Very good. All right. What's another one? What's another one? Negligence. Yes, Zoe. Exactly. Okay. You don't see the consequences or you don't care about the consequences. Good. Andrew, is that you? Okay. Okay, very good. That's what happens, right? Maybe I'm watching more movies than I'm in my Bible, or I'm just hanging out with worldly people, and it and it's not affecting me. Their language, or their or their way, or maybe I'm entertaining choices that in the past I've never entertained. Right? What what's happening? We're becoming dull. Right? There's dullness. All right. 
Number four, a false sense of security. This is a big one. We begin to trust in our means. We begin to trust in our strength. We begin to trust in our material things. And this shows that we are complacent. Because really everything we have is a gift from God and everything and our possessions should not possess us. If my possessions possess us, which means I'm living just for my possessions, I am complacent and my priorities are off, right? Not wrong having nice stuff. Have a nice car, have a nice house, have a nice clothes, whatever. Not, but if it possesses you or me, if it consumes us, uh, I have to compete or spend all my time to make money to maintain these things, then uh, that security can go very quickly, right? Right? Just an accident, a, uh, a strange event. Proverbs talks about money taking wings and flying away. This is a big one, complacency. I view or we view ourselves higher than God's view. Okay, this is a big one. This is the atmosphere that we are living in in the West. I'll just speak for the West. We are in, an, we are in a neo-pagan culture that disregards God totally, and it elevates idolatry, and the church is complacent. The church entertains it. The church is infiltrated with it, right? I'm not saying every church, but I'm saying the church, uh, you know, it is, their world, it's worldly, right? So we view ourselves higher. And this is what we see with the social gospel. This is what we see uh, with culture is that we are comfortable in culture and we can live with it and we live a life of adjustments. That's a big one. We live a life of adjustments. When was the last time we pushed back when things were anti-Christ? When was the last time we spoke up when some moron was opened their mouth and, and blasphemed God? I'm serious. When was the last time we uh, got bothered in our spirit when, when demonic things uh, were, let, were, were prevailing? And I'm not, say, I'm not saying this in any other way. I, I was convicted reading this and studying this because I know in my life I am complacent in some, some areas. I'll be honest about it. And the Lord really checked me about it. Because the false sense of security is how evil people, powerful people, ungodly people can move into places to hurt the flock of God, to hurt the people of God and to destroy or try to destroy the work of God. When actually there's a guard at the door so that the, the wrong things don't go in, right? Right? Your house, right? Are you going to sleep in your bed when there's a snake in your bed? Right? You ever done that before? Wake up and there's a snake in your bed? I mean, I never have. I'm just kind of thinking about it. Maybe in India. Right? I don't know. That's crazy. You have, right? I don't know, Lenin? Yeah, it can, right? I mean, I mean I've been out west and there's like I, I remember I was in an eastern city in the Ukraine and um there was a mosquito um infestation. So I a brother in our church 
Uh, he lived 20 hours from our, from our church in the west of Ukraine. So we took a train, and we were there for a weekend, did some outreach. And he said, oh, I want you to sleep in this room over here. It's a nice bed and everything. I woke up the next morning, and I was covered in mosquito bites. I mean, I was head to toe. It was the weirdest thing. I, I counted like 130 mosquito bites. I'm like, one, two. It was nuts. I walked out, and everyone's looking at me like I had, I was, I had the plague or something. It's like, we, it was unaware. I had no idea there was a mosquito larvae or whatever going on, but that was really weird. Um, just the same point. We wouldn't sleep if we knew there was a snake in our bed. We would, what would we do? What would you do if there was a snake in your bed? You would do what? Run. Okay, run away. That's one, one thing. What else would you do? Murder the snake? Okay, whoa. You went from pasta to murdering. We need to pray for Josh tonight. He's a little extreme over here. Right, you'd address the snake. I don't, you can't, okay, right? Or bed bugs. Ever slept in a bed with bed bugs? Whew, yikes. Okay, that's getting a little, I'm starting to itch here. Okay, I remember working, I used to work in basements. We were, um, we were working under a house in a crawl space, and um, boy, that was a very interesting, we were, it was, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I was on my I was on my stomach with a spoon. I'm not even joking. We had to dig this area out with a spoon initially to get room to dig a sump area for for this particular house. And there was fleas down there. We didn't know it. So everyone got bitten by fleas except me. I don't know. Maybe I was that was an interesting situation. Okay. Great illustrations tonight, aren't they? Oh. I'm wigged out here. I'm getting the heebie-jeebies. All right. So we don't. We, <laughs> do you know what that word heebie-jeebies is? Okay. I'm, I'm making Chelsea laugh. That's a that's a good that's a good indicator. Exegete the heebie-jeebies. All right. All right. So the point is, we want to address the the threat, right? And in this particular situation. There was no challenge, no counter, and no awareness of the threat. Do you think that the gospel of God is threatened today? What is the gospel of God threatened with today? What's the gospel of God threatened with today? Legalism. Legalism. Good. What's another one? Religion. Good. What's another one? What? Yeah, familiarity. That's a fruit of complacency. Absolutely. All right. Joe? Well, the culture with transgenderism. Okay. And that is it right there. People view themselves higher than God. So when you present the Bible, you are looked at as as uh, someone that's not, not compassionate. You're looked at as someone that's narrow-minded. All these things because you're not complacent. And when you're dealing with a complacent person, they're going to just want to adjust, 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 pacify, 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 negotiate, 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 compromise, compromise, compromise. When actually we can lovingly say, no, the truth is not for sale. Proverbs 28, 28. The truth may be falling in your street, but it's not falling in my street. Justice is not turned away backwards. And uh, the equity 
the fullness of God is in our lives, okay? All right, so let me give you an example of complacency. We all know the fable about the rabbit and the tortoise, right? Anybody know that's, that fable? Let's just humor us for a minute. So the rabbit obviously is well able to beat the tortoise in a race, right? Because the, the turtle moves very slow and the rabbit moves very fast. So what did the rabbit do? The rabbit ran ahead, very confident, and he stopped, looked around, he realized how far he was ahead of the turtle, and he said, I'm just going to walk over here, I'm just going to sit down, and he fell asleep. The rabbit fell asleep. We know this story, right? What happened to the slow and steady turtle? He won. The rabbit woke up and the race was over. The turtle that should not have beaten him, right right past him, and there's there's the rabbit snoring away, right, snoring away. And this is what's going on, and this is what can go on in our lives. We can get overconfident, overzealous, and we can uh, have things that should never have conquered us can try to conquer us, and will conquer us. So, all right. And then the last one here, we're satisfied without spiritual awareness, okay? We're satisfied without spiritual awareness. Like, our, our willingness to hear about sin is like, ooh, tell me, tell me everything, but just don't talk about sin. Or someone might say, um, you know, just talk to me about things that make me happy. Uh, I want to justify what I'm doing because the, the, uh, the end justifies the means. Anybody ever hear that before? The end justifies the means, right? Ooh, wrong, 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 wrong. Okay. Yes. Yes, we're comfortable in the culture we live in. We're comfortable. Now, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Now, I'm not saying we have to be monks on a pole here, but our lives should look different. Right? Our lives should look different. And I'm not saying we have to be combative to everybody. We want to we be very loving and very compassionate. We want to be wise as serpents, but innocent as a dove, right? Yes, Joe? We're, we're, we always say that complacency is being comfortable in an uncomfortable position. Fabulous. I like it. I like it. Now, we know those awkward situations, don't we? Nobody likes confrontation. Avoidance, right? Let's just avoid. Let's just not rock the boat. Let's just kind of, you know, let's just kind of walk away. The snake is in the bed, but I'm walking away. Okay, maybe I don't sleep in that bed, but someone else comes and sleeps in that bed, and they don't know the snake is in the bed. There they are snoozing, and they they get a chunk taken out of them, right? So... Maybe we know the snake is in the bed. If we walk away, the next person might die, right? Just figuratively speaking. So why does complacency happen? Because we compartmentalize. This is a big word, to compartmentalize. And guys, we, we do this great. We put things in boxes, okay? And this is why the way we're designed, we are actually designed male. Males are designed to compartmentalize. Because our greatest ability is to conquer. Okay, we're women, and this is not a stereotype, but everything is connected to women. Everything. And that's why 
They, it's all about relationship. And this is a whole other subject, okay? But we can go from one thing to another and really be detached from things. And when our faith becomes like this, detached, which means we act like a Christian in the church and then we go to our workplace and we act like the world, or we smile to everybody and then when we're alone, we're, we're just totally, totally far from any type of spirituality or being spirit-filled is probably a better word. These things can really, uh, these things can really like to fragment our faith. Now, I want to say this. The greatest fruits of complacency is consumption. Consumption. Now, what do I mean by that? Retail therapy is a good example. I just got to go buy things. There's nothing wrong with buying things, but when I want to buy things to make me happy, that is a sign that there's a hole in my heart and my heart is leaking. It is my mind is leaking. My we are we are just lost uh, in this idea that somehow the more stuff I have, the more people I have, the more power I have, the more money I have, the more whatever is going to make me happy. And the answer is no. God has given the beautiful First Timothy six six. He has given us contentment. Contentment, godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen? So I'm prefacing Jude because the church here, or believers here, need to be awake. We need to be awake. We are in a very interesting day where the whole world lies in wickedness and people are lulled to sleep. It's comfortable. There's, there's provisions. And... Um, there really is no danger. I talked with our brothers in the Ukraine recently, and when you get a hundred missiles landing in your country and you don't know where they're going to land, uh, you're awake. You're awake. You're awake. And that is that is that is that is a whole thing that I will save my energy on that for right now. But my point is. How do we stay awake? Because these, and he goes through a, a list here. Uh, these people infiltrated the church. It, it's like Mormons coming into our church and they are free. I had this happen in Ukraine, actually. Uh, Mormons are free to come into the church and preach and do their thing unchecked, unchallenged, and actually welcomed. We would say, wait a minute, your doctrine is very different. Uh, your ministry is different, and um, yeah, it would be very obvious, right? But how about how about maybe it's not so obvious? Maybe it's not so obvious. Is the person teaching ministering? Does it reflect the heart of the original? Does it reflect love? Does it have the ministry of the Spirit? Like, is what we're a part of reflecting the heart of God? And I think. Uh, and I say this to all of us, we are needing to be awake to this because the church is lulled to sleep first because it's the only thing that's going to challenge the devil. It's the only thing that's going to save a society. The church, the church, right? The people of God. Society is not a reflection of the government. 
Society is a reflection of the church. People are complaining about the government. Our government is out to lunch. That's another topic. I'll just leave that right there. It's the church. It's us. It's the people of God to wake up, shake off the doldrums and say, Lord, I'm listening. Lord, I am, I am praying. Uh, I am I'm needing your mind. Because when I'm not growing, I'm idle. Uh, let me give you a couple points here. Complacency. If I'm complacent, my prayer life is hindered. I don't know about you, that seems to be the most attacked area of my life. Would, would you, anybody agree with that? Prayer. Maybe not. Maybe. I know when I sit down to pray, it is a war, right? And it takes a lot of effort. And, and just sitting before the Lord, the Lord is faithful, right? How about this? I'm complacent when I live on past victories, right? That's a, that's a big one for people that have been in the church a long time. They talk about yesterday. And, and again, nothing wrong with that. We should, we should celebrate the fragrance of memories. But if I'm not making new ones, I'm complacent. I'm complacent, right? Anyway, that's a, that's a big one right there. Um, and we could see this in Revelations. I want to give you a verse here. Revelations chapter 3, 14 through 22 there's a big word there called lukewarm. God, what does God do with lukewarm Christians? What does he do with them? Yeah, literally throws, throws them up. I mean, have you ever, have you ever uh, tasted rotten food before? You, maybe you're just moving too fast, you don't look at your food, and all of a sudden it's, or, and you taste, take a bite of it, and it's like, or you put like sour cream in your coffee and it all curls up. It's like super nasty, right? Yeah, super nasty. Somebody opens the fridge. They haven't cleaned their fridge in six months and they forgot something in the corner. It's a science project. What is that? That's horrible. That's like us sometimes, right? I'm not naming any names. No, just kidding. <laughs> Luke Warm. All the dorm guys just kind of woke up on that one. <laughs> By the way, I got a good, I was telling Jonathan, that's like, Jonathan Meekin, and he's an awesome guy. So Jonathan, if guys don't wash their, if they don't wash their dishes, you know what we used to do in our dorm? We used to put the dirty dishes in the guy's bed. Oh, it was awesome. Okay, good. It was done to me a few times. I learned quickly. Getting in my bed with dried uh, macaroni on your legs. It's really, ugh. Boy, we're just getting the heebie-jeebies tonight. This is good. Heebie-jeebies. All right. All right. Word of the night. Look at, let's look at Luke 18 together. So complacency. And I, I want this to be in our mind because this is our greatest fight. Because the devil is trying to lull us to sleep. He's trying to negotiate sin in our life. And... Um, oh, you don't have to be so aggressive or you don't have to be so strict in your faith. You can kind of let it slide. And, and honestly, I think it hurts the church, church in general, because the world doesn't see, uh, they, they, they want to see something that amazes them, right? And that's what the gospel is. That's what Christianity is, right? Um, 
And that's what Christ is, right? Christ was not complacent. David was complacent. Lot, how about Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah? What happened to him? He offered his daughters away. What father would do that? What father would do that? Somebody, a, 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 fa- a deadbeat father would do that. Let's put it that way. No, uh, they have rocks in their heads. That's the kind of father, right? Uh, they, they totally disregard their daughters, right? I mean, that, that's, just a, that's just amazing to, to think that. Because we can retrogress. We can move backwards and think about that bike, right? There you are on the bike. I'm not very good driving here. Uh, let's say that's you. And you hit this hill, and let's say the momentum brings you halfway, and then what happens? You're going right back down, and you are not in control, and you are, like, down here. And what happens, You instead of progressing, you actually lose ground. You lose ground. Okay, Luke 8. Let's look at Luke 18 for a minute, 10 through 14. Uh Yeah, I love this. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I love that. (laughs) God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. No, you're not those people. You're worse than that, actually. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell, you, uh, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. All right? So, uh, lukewarm faith. Lukewarm faith. Or a life full of adjustments. Now, believe me, there's a time to have grace adjustments. But not when it's sin. Not when it's like, <clears throat> uh, you ever been around somebody that cusses a lot? Just cusses, just drops the, the bombs all, you know. How long can we handle that? I don't know about you. I After the first one, I'm like, I'm done. You know what I'm saying? I'm done. That's just me. Cause I, it, it, but I'm just, I, that's just maybe, a, maybe not the best example. But how long do we endure and say, Hey, can you can you stop? Can you stop talking? Because when someone curses, it shows their IQ, right? It really does. Now, I don't know about you. If, I don't know if any of you curse here. You, you hope you don't. <laughs> I mean, the average person speaks a 300-word vocabulary. So, if someone's cussing like a sailor, as they say, uh, then their vocabulary is maybe even less. Now, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but I'm just using an example. Like, especially when someone uses the Lord's name in vain. I just, I'm no, I have zero tolerance for that. I'm like, whoa, stop. Uh, you're, you're talking about someone that is my Lord and Savior. And, I don't, and it's good for us not to care about ourselves, right? Like, who cares what they think about you if you were to challenge them in love and compassion, but directly and say, listen, I'm not going to be complacent. I'm not going to sit here and let you verbally abuse my brain with your nonsense, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? How about, how, about, how about another? A visually, a visual assault, right? What we put in front of our eyes, right? 
We want to really protect and guard. Remember what was said in 1 Peter 2.1, we want to stir up our pure minds, right? Right? Yes, Brandon. Gossip. Gossip. Mm-hmm. Somebody starts talking about someone hating my and I respect them, but I can't, I can't talk to Excellent. Gossip. That's a great one. That's a little bit more applicable, I think. Hey, can you pray for this person? And they drag up all their dirty laundry, right? Or how about this one? Uh, don't judge me when you start to introduce God's mind. What's the difference between discernment and judgment? What's the difference? Okay. Judgment includes your step above. Just do you, you give a decision, you just judge. Good. Real simple. The difference is opinion. Opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. It's what God says, right? Lennon? Discernment. Uh, uh, in judgment, there is no thing thought of restoration, just condemnation. There is discernment. You have you have the thought of restoration. The attitude is restoring the brother. Excellent. Good. Yes. Discernment is also addressing the kingdom issue, right? Judging is really, it's a preference or opinion, right? Good. All right, let's turn back to Jude for a minute. So I'm, I'm kind of saying this because they got in a pack of trouble because they just, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, they have 50 locks on the door, but then they turn on the TV and they're robbed blind. Like in the Ukraine, I, I use a lot of Ukrainian uh, illustrations uh, because they're just fresh in my mind. Um, they have these amazing doors in the Ukraine, just really solid. And their, their idea is a grenade cannot go through my door, right? They have padding, nice steel doors. But you go to their windows, it's like a piece of paper. I mean, honestly, you could pick, you could like blow on the window in some cases. I'm just saying... We can have fortification here, but our back door could be wide open, right? And we have to be aware, so the devil is not looking for where you're strongest. He's looking for where you're complacent, where you just don't care. I love what Joe just said. You're comfortable about an uncomfortable thing, right? That's great. That's brilliant. Now, I'm not saying we need to put on our Rambo suit every time we're uh, with people, but we just we want to be awake, Awake, right? Awake, like aware. Because consumption, we're just consumption, consumption, more, more, more. And it just doesn't, it just does not meet the deepest need. Uh, one person said this, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the quote, but it, evil prevails when godly people do nothing. And I'm sorry, that is where we are today. And I'm not talking to you because you're doing something. We are letting so many, like one writer says it like this, we are chasing the mice while the lions devour the land. That was Ravenhill, actually. We are chasing mice as lions devour our land. 
Mm, I don't know about you. I'm stirred up about it. I'm stirred up about it because, um, you know, people, dear people that we love and care for, um, maybe people we know, people we don't know, they suffer the consequence. Like legalism, right? The destruction of legalism, the destruction of all these things that could could be protected by the people of God. Okay, so let's turn back to Jude. All right. So complacency, complacency. Um, we see, I want to give a couple examples here. Um, we see the changing who turned the grace of our God into lewdness. Now, that's the first sign. Oh, you talk about grace too much. Like the, the, um, the legalist is irritated by grace. Why? Because grace is the person of Christ. It's the generosity of Christ. It is, it's always creating something in our life. If I get irritated with grace, like how could a person become irritated by grace? Well, because uh, either they are uh, trying to excuse their sin or they're trying to be self-righteous and look good, right? So, what's the answer here? Well, I'm, I'm getting to it. Don't get discouraged here. Verse 5, I want to remind you, though, once you knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Israel, uh, Egypt, excuse me, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. Amazing. He saves them, but then they don't go into the promised land. Why? Well, the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, they did not believe God. Now, this is important, like complacency, um, familiarity comes in, and then all of a sudden it's like a problem arises, and all of a sudden we're doubting God, we're unbelieving, and we're cynical. Why? Because complacency has come in and has replaced faith, or replaced anticipation, and replaced faith. Verse 6, and angels who did not keep their proper domains, but left the abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. That's Tartarus, right? 200 million demons. 200 million demons. They, they left their proper place. Now, that's two things. We had demons that prior to Genesis 6 had sexual relations with women and therefore had uh, all kinds of uh, giants and angelic people, and then also uh, those that uh, came down from disobedience from heaven. They were part of the third of the angels that disobeyed God. They are, uh, some are roaming the earth, but there are some here that will be led out during the tribulation. Revelations chapter 9, read Revelations chapter 9 is one of the most descriptive chapters of demons that will be allowed to torture, I think it's for I think it's not six or nine months, torture man, and man will not be able to die. They'll have teeth, like unbelievably sized teeth, uh, and their description is horrifying, right? I'll let you read that. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner, having given themselves over, okay, here they are, sexual immorality, gone after strange flesh, bestiology, 
Okay? And that's, that's a thing. That's like having sex with animals. Okay? Bestiology are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, is God patient? Yes, he is. Is God going to uh, pursue people to the maximum? Absolutely. But shockingly, um, people will want their sin more than God, and God will, uh, Romans chapter 1, we've read it, and it's clear, he'll give them over to their vile passions, and their passions will destroy them. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh. So two things here that the writer brings out. They, they interpret dreams more value, valuable than um, the scripture. Psychics, uh, palm readers, um, all, this, all these different uh, conjuring type things, they defile the flesh. Here's a big one. They reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries, right? You know, we understand that we're Romans 13, we're to pray for their leaders, right? But when we speak evil of them, uh, we're, we are defiling or corrupting our own selves. Like, like how, like somebody challenged, uh, we were having a conversation they and we were talking about someone, and, and they said, how, mu- how much have you prayed for that person? And I said, well, not, not a lot. And that kind of that closed my mouth. That's a, good, that's a good test, right? Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not to bring against him a reviling accusation. That's a very good point, see? Michael, who had the authority, did not stoop to the devil's level but instead he said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Okay? I'll go through a couple more here. But these speak evil of whatsoever they do not know. Whatever they know, naturally, like brute beasts in these things, they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. What did Cain do? What did Cain do? What did Cain do? Killed his brother. Why? Why did he kill his brother? Jealousy. Jealousy. Good. What was Cain's offering? What was Cain's offering? Fruit. His own labors, right? Right? Human goodness. And it was rejected. And he got offended at God. Got jealous of his brother. And in rage, he kills his brother. And, he, and God marks him. It's interesting. If you read the life of Cain, God marks him so that no man will kill him. So there's even grace in Cain's life, right? Shocking. The way of Cain, okay? Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, and have run greedily into the era of Balaam. What did Balaam do? What did Balaam do? Huh? Yes, how? How did he deceive the Israelites? Okay. Yes. He was told to curse them, right? For, for, uh, for actual power and for property. And then we understand that he said that you cannot curse those things that God has blessed. Very, very... Uh, he, he vacillated, didn't he? Did Balaam vacillate? He kind of went on this side. He's an opportunist. He's like, 
Is this going to work for me better? Be able to work this angle, work this angle. And uh, ultimately, uh, God corrected him. All right, we're going we're gonna to have a break here. In a, oh, wow. We're going to break here in a moment. All right. Uh, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. What did Korah do in Numbers? What happened to Korah? Uh, Salem, what, what, what was Korah? Why did Korah get swallowed up? Why did the earth swallow up Korah? Salem, or, okay, uh, Jehu. Korah, 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 Ray, Korah. Tim, tell me about Korah. He went up against uh, the biblical priesthood, right? Yeah, and yeah, I think it was Moses too. Yeah, yeah Moses. And yeah. Basically, felt that him and his rebellion should have a place. He started with God. Good. Conspiracy, rebellion. He says, I, I can do better, right? And what did God do? Alyssa or Zoe, what did God do? He's, that's pretty scary. Imagine talking to somebody and all of a sudden the ground opens up and they are gone. That would, that would be pretty fearful. So speaking against authority, now that, now that doesn't mean we don't come in with, with, with questions. That doesn't mean we don't communicate if there's a disagreement. That doesn't mean that we are just like blind followers. No, no, no. But we do it with an attitude of humility and willingness, right? Korah was a conspirator and a um, and an, uh, had an unsubmitted heart, right? All right, maybe we'll stop there. We'll stop there because I want to shift into something else. Any questions? Any questions? Yes, Brandon. Korah. Well, that's a loaded statement. Uh, there was a lot of things that happened mm -hmm. there. Uh, you could relate some things to that, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Any other questions? Sandin, anything you want to say? Alyssa, you want to say anything? Mariana? I don't call on Mariana enough. Isn't she great? Mariana was smart. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do that, Marianne. I'm sorry. Olu, anything you want to say? All right. Complacency. Isn't this kind of scary? We're all here at some degree. I don't want to sound like, like I have, like I'm a perfect guy. I'm not. But when we see the dullness come in, I want to talk about how to address it next, next half, okay? All right. Let's take a break. All right. All right. Um, you're such good listeners. Amazing. Any jokes for us, Josh? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So there's good news. The second half is good news, okay? Good news, okay? You ready for the good news? Or the God news? All right. Let's look at verse 12. I mean, he, he goes on figuratively here. It's great. He's saying here, check this out, complacency and 
false teaching, um, it rots out the good. It's like it's not something we can leave unchecked, right? It's not something that you can leave and just ignore and hope it goes away. There has to be a loving confrontation to uh, preserve um, the beauty of Christ, the beauty of the gospel. And Pastor Schaller said it this way, the Great Commission has a great message, it has great power, it has great uh, results, right? Why? Because it's, it's the word of God, right? So the life full of adjustments, um, there's some things that we can uh, dance with, but, but we, we don't dance with the devil, right? I think that's a song. Okay. All right. There are spots in your love feast. Imagine that. There you are. You're eating your food. Like I went to go get some pumpkin pie the other day, and it was, I had mold growing on my pumpkin pie. I don't know how that happened. It happened in so, I was just getting ready to put my fork in. I'm like, there's fuzz on my pumpkin pie, right? Okay. A little penicillin won't kill you. Uh, it turned my, turn my appetite off. They feast with you without fear. How about that? Arrogant people, right? They're just cocky or they're, they're boisterous or they're just without a filter. Ooh, that's, a, that's another interesting person, without a filter, right? And they're only serving themselves, right? They're cl- okay, I love this. They're clouds without water. Okay, there's no profit. They're just nice in the sky. But it's, it, there's no exchange. Uh, there's no real emptying out for nourishment, right? Carried about by winds. Okay, they're just unpredictable, right? Late, look at this. Late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead. Okay. It's a nice fruit tree. I had, an, I had a nice fruit tree one time. The thing about fruit trees is all their roots are on the surface. So a good wind... You can literally push over a fruit tree. You can literally do it. It's not hard because all their roots are at the surface. Well, it says these false teachers are like this. They're pulled up by the roots. They're twice dead. It means there's no depth in their life. And what they're ministering is death. Okay. Raging waves of the sea foaming up their own shame. Wow. I love the beach. I love it. And there you are. The waves are coming in. There's that white foam. It's beautiful, right? Don't we love the beach? But false teachers, there's a lot of action and energy, but it's motivated by shame. Wow. What's an example of that? Oh, if you're not healed, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Okay? That's heresy, right? They might say... um, you have to give money to get money from God. Okay, the whole, the whole um, prosperity gospel, very, very destructive. Um, so on and so forth. Okay, wandering stars, <laughs> wandering stars. I mean that that's very interesting, right? I mean, you ever seen a star wander? By the way, in the tribulation, stars will fall. That will be. Stars will take out cities, actually. You can read about it in in Revelations. Uh, Wandering stars. uh, Very unpredictable. They are bright, like a shooting star. They're bright, and then they're gone. 
They destroy you. And I like what Zoe said. It's like there's no contemplation of the consequence. Right? Um, and again, to whom is reserved blackness of darkness forever. So, again, we did all these things in your name. We cast out demons in your name, Matthew 7.22. Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. This is the shocker that um, anybody that preaches another gospel, another Jesus, is not, is not of God. All right, so I, I don't want to spend too much time there, but it's interesting analogy there. Now, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on them all, to convict them of, un, of ungodliness among them. And that's talking about Armageddon, right? He's coming down with us. And he, the sword comes out of his mouth, and he destroys all of the armies that surround Israel, and they are gone. And, and the, the blood goes up to the bridle of the horse in the valley of Megiddo, and it will just take one word, and the armies of the world will be destroyed. And we will be with him, Revelations 19, uh, on white horses, and he'll have a sash on his horse that says the word of God. So this is a, a reflection of Armageddon and, the, and um, the, the preparation before the millennial. That requires a lot of, uh, a lot of explanation, but I'm going to leave it right there, okay? Let's look, and all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. There it is. You see that? Every blasphemy, every uh, jest, every um, disrespect against God that the unbeliever has done, they will have the wrath of God. Now, that's kind of scary, isn't it? The believer... Who took our wrath? Jesus did, right? Because we're in the same boat. The only difference is we recognize that we needed a Savior and our sins were paid for, and we accepted that, that gift of redemption, right? The unbeliever will die in their sin, and they will be punished for eternity because they rejected the only thing that could take care of them take care of their, their debt. All right, I want to spend time on this next half here. So, again, these are grumblers, complainers, uh, walking according to their own lusts, and they are mouths with great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Okay, so we got a great picture, okay? It's like reading the newspaper. Jude is like the Baltimore Sun, right? It's like the newspaper. USA Today, just write Jude on there, right? But the answer, the answer is this. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. Remember the Bible. Remember objective truth, absolute truth. Remember it. That's the big word, right? Remember the leaky brain? Leaky brain. Fear, anxiety causes us to leak out the truth, right? It punctures us. So we want to make sure that we're protecting and fellowshipping with those things that God has given and what God has said. Now, notice he goes back and says uh, in verse 18 that they told you that there will be mockers in the last day who will walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who have caused divisions, not having the spirit. Okay, 
So we see in this book, the Father is mentioned, the Savior, Jesus Christ, is mentioned, and the Judge, which is also Christ, but also the Spirit. So we see the Trinity in the book of Jude, right? God the Father created the plan, God the Son executed the plan, and God the Holy Spirit was the fulfiller of the plan, or the the energy or the fulfillment of the plan, right? So this is important. He's addressing that we have the Trinity at our disposal. Okay, we're not just in a world, we're, we're out in the jungle, but we have a divine provision. We have a divine uh, uh, protection. And this is it. Ready? <clears throat> Verse 20. Verse 20 through 24, these are probably one of the most powerful verses in my life because this is the answer to complacency. This is the answer to, uh, remember, we talked about the believer, right? They're so fortified in their front, but the back door is wide open, right? And the devil is like, he's going to infiltrate the area that's not protected, right? He's going to cause us to kind of negotiate and say, oh, it's not a big deal. I can watch those things. I can listen to those things. I can smoke these things. I can drink these things. It doesn't affect me, right? Sin is like, I can manage my sin, right? The back door is exactly where we need to pay attention to, right? Because the devil will not attack you in your most powerful place, right? He's not going to attack you. He's not going to do a frontal assault. He's going to wean us away. It's like a it's like a herd of zebras. I don't know if herd is the right word, but the lion that waits is not going to attack the herd front end. He's going to wait for the one that is away and they're straggling apart from the group and he will go after that because he can overcome one that's away from the protection of the herd. All right, but you, beloved, again, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and some having compassion, making an impact. Those verses, I want to talk about them. These are important. These, this is the antidote to the sickness. If, you know... Complacency, if God checked your heart about something, maybe we're not sharp in an area. Don't overanalyze yourself. Don't don't look to feel your salvation. That's not my point tonight. I mean, feelings are a horrible barometer to the facts of what God has said. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to feel like loving people, right? feel like loving myself, but it's a choice, right? It's a decision to agree with what God has said. So we agree with God. We're not looking for a feeling, right? Does that make sense? How how many, are you still with me? How many are with me? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you, good. Feeling, feelings can lie to you. I mean, God gave us feelings to appreciate, but he did not give us feelings to govern our life, right? That's really important. So if there's depression or discouragement, 
Certainly those could be indicators for deeper things. But I want to agree. This is the first point. I want to agree with God if I don't, if I feel it or not. I'm going to agree with God because if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart for he knows all things, right? What verse is that? It's my favorite verse. What verse is it? First John 3.20. Great. Okay. But you, beloved, I'm talking to you, build yourselves. And it's a, it's a construction word. Brick by brick, I want you to build the foundation that's going to support the wall, the structure, build, decide, and make, be intentional. Build yourself up. Be near, be one that receives by faith, right? It's so funny, I talk to some guys, they don't like to sing in a worship song service. They're like, I, I, don't, I don't feel like singing. Well, if I felt like doing half the things in my life, then I wouldn't do half the things because I don't feel it. But when you do it by faith, it's amazing how God meets you. I had a wife tell me that she doesn't feel like forgiving her husband. And I said, well, I said, I just challenge you to go before God and, and do it by faith and God will meet you in it and you will do it genuinely. And it's an amazing story. She did it by faith God met her in it, and there's a beautiful restoration. It's true. It's a miracle. Okay, so um, build yourselves up. How do you build a building? We got some builders here. How do you build a building? What's the first thing you do? Foundation. Foundation. Even before that, assemble a team. Okay. Before that, blueprint. Thank you. Exactly. You survey and make a blueprint. Yep. Back to the pattern, right? Back to the pattern. Then you break ground, and then you build your team, and then build your team, break ground, and build foundation up. Very important. And he's saying that this is done in our faith. It doesn't say build yourself up in your most holy feelings. <laughs> Do not build yourself up in your great reputation. Don't build yourself up in the most... Trendy thing. I, I had a guy tell me in a conference not long ago, he says, don't follow the cool. I love that. Don't follow the cool. Right? So many people are trying to find the latest and the greatest. And the tech. I, I'm all about techniques. I love it. But, but the Bible is always relevant. Amen? God's truth is cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's good. All right. Your most holy faith. Your. See that word, your? This is talking about personalized truth. How is it that I can break this cycle of complacency? My faith becomes more than just letters on the page. It becomes my faith. It becomes my God. I love this. Look at Psalm 18. This is another great example. Psalm 18. David he said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. David obviously built a relationship with God and there was a personal ministry to God, to David, and he was ready. You know, 
God is building you from the inside, and then he builds you from the outside. So some might say, oh, why am I not promoter? Why am, why am I not doing all these amazing things? God is building you inside, then outside. He tests you. So when you're in the fire, you're in the arena, you're in a place of position, you're in a place of power, guess what? You're tested, you're tried, and you'll be true. Make sense? So, build, so know your Bible, know your Savior. Know how to answer a, a, a slick talker. Know how, to, know how to say, hey, 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 slow, slow it down. Did you just say that Jesus needed to be born again? I had a guy tell me that. Jesus needed to be born again. Right? I said, where on earth did you get that most ridiculous? No, I didn't say it like that. Uh, it's like the devil is subtle. He's an angel of light. He's cunning. And he's looking for the back door. He's looking for what we're going to settle with. He's, gonna, he's looking for those things, right? He wants to corrupt our faith. Galatians 2.4. Great verse. They will spy out your liberty. I mean, the problem in Galatia, the problem in Colossae, the problem in Philippi, the problem in Ephesus, what was it? Complacency. They were asleep. And this is why, I mean, even Peter in jail fell asleep, and the angel had to kick him in the ribs to get him up. That's just our nature. The disciples slept when Jesus asked them to pray. It's our nature. We are going to fall asleep. Some of you want to do that right now. And then, you know, I'll bring a pillow next time. No, just kidding. Just joking. <laughs> that was a joke. Okay. That was a knee slapper. Anyway. Sometimes we need the foot of the angel to give us a good chop in, the, chop in the ribs and say, hey, listen, pay attention to the eternal reality. Pay attention to what I'm doing. Pay attention to who you are in Christ and stop looking at all this other ridiculousness, right? It's so good. Okay. Okay, notice this. Praying in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say praying in tongues there. It doesn't say praying in yabba-dabba-doo and, and, and i got to buy a Honda and all this. Praying in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I'm not knocking that, but I am knocking that, actually. What is it? Praying in the Holy Spirit. What is, it means I'm meeting the Holy Spirit in my prayer life. Prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, we understand that. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, prayer, prayer praying always, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, praying always. Prayer is our, one of our greatest weaponry, if not our greatest. Okay? Keep yourselves. There it is again. Keep yourselves. As in someone is going to try to move you out of this location. It means to guard yourself. Keep yourselves in, in love. Love. Not love is love and we all just hold hands and sing kumbaya. No, love in truth. It has teeth. It has sacrifice. It resembles the love of the cross. Keep yourselves. Listen, it's okay to be uh, shaken, right? But Acts 20.28, 20, what does it say? What does Acts 20.28 20, say? Or is, it, is that the right verse? Let's read it. This is a good verse. Josh, what does it say? For none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. There it is. None of these things move me. He spent the whole 
couple of verses talking about trials and tribulations and all these things. He says, oh, those were just details of life. Yeah, I was stoned. Uh, I went to the third heaven. Uh, I was beaten. You know, just details like car accident, lost all my, my money, lost my house. These are all details, right? None of these things moved me from what? Love, being loved by God, right? If I can say that is one of the most important statements in this whole book, keep yourself in the love of God. Don't let the devil talk you out of your position. Don't let him do it, right? He's the great liar. Looking for the mercy of our Lord. Isn't that good? Looking. I'm not looking for it to be easy. I'm not looking for some, uh, some golden goose to lay some eggs and, and take care of me. No, I'm looking for mercy, right? I'm looking for mercy. Psalm 136, great chapter. Mercy endures forever. It endures forever. And it's, it's, uh, it takes away what I deserve, and grace is poured out what I don't deserve. Looking for mercy. Hey, when in doubt, give people mercy. Amen? When you want to call down fire on somebody, say, whoop, wait, ho. Give them mercy, right? Oftentimes, right, isn't it true? We can all attest. We are desperately needing what we don't deserve, right? People are acting out negatively. What are they looking for? Are they looking for a piece of our mind, a piece of our foot, right? A piece of our whatever, no, they're looking for mercy, amen? All right. I love this. We could, And some having compassion. There it is. Compassion. Matthew 14, 14. Jesus moved with compassion. He was moving in charity. He was moving in the ministry of love. Right? Not out of need. Not out of um, anything but to minister his Father's heart. Making an impact. It's good, isn't it? So many people want to leave, you know, change the world, leave their their prints on the earth. They want to they want to be known and and be reverenced as a famous person. Jesus is saying, you know how you do it? Compassion, compassion. Matthew Malachi three sixteen. I write it down in a book. Even every time that you act, think, and speak in my name, you are making an impact. And then these others, these other words, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. You know what? That'll, that'll, sometimes our message is strong, right? It's not all love, love, and flowers and chocolates, right? It's okay, the consequence of your sin is death, and hell is a real place, right? Hell is a real place. You know, 222 times in the Bible it talks about hell versus 88 times in the Bible where it talks about heaven. So I want to talk about heaven. I want to talk about love. I want to talk about forgiveness. I want to talk about grace. Yes, but my, my message has got to be balanced. There is a hell. People are there. Matthew 25, 41. It, they are there. Mark 9, 48. The worm dieth not. People are alive in hell tonight and they're burning and it is a, a read Mark nine tonight, and I don't know if you'll go to sleep after reading Mark nine, but it is uh, it is a shocking chapter forty four through forty eight. 
So uh, again, we, we are just present the truth and God uh, convicts the heart. Now look at this. I love 24. Let's read this together. I know we're almost in the last five minutes. Now to him. Do you see those words? Let's say that together. Now to him. Okay, say it like you mean it. Okay, who, where's the emphasis? Who's it on? Him. Now, as in when? Now, right now. It's a timeless word, as in every time. The I am, the present nature of God. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's three things that God does. What are the three things? What are the three things? Number one, keeps you from stumbling. You ever stumble? It's dark. You stumble over things. You don't even know what they stumble over. That's the unbeliever. They stumble on things they have no idea. The complacent believer, they stumble on things that they don't know. God is saying, I'm able to turn that cycle around and keep you from staying down. What's the next thing? Come on now. Present you faultless. That's a big one. How many here are without sin? Raise your hand. <laughs> no, we're sinners. I'm sorry. That's not a trick question. We are sinners. We are sinners, right? God says, I'll present you faultless before my father. How can he do that? How can he do that? How can he do that? Nick, how can, how can, how can we be presented faultless? How, how is that possible? Right. Okay. So we 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 said that before. We said that we are we are covered in the blood of Christ. So when God looks at us, He has an intellectual knowledge of our sin because He's He's everywhere present. He's God, but He relates to us in the blood of Christ. So He calls us blameless, faultless, perfect, perfect. You can go home and tell your spouse, say, "Honey, I'm perfect." Just wanted, just wanted you to know that. I'm perfect. Your wife will be like, or your husband will be like, that might be, that might be a good discussion. Okay. God is saying, I present you faultless. This is very edifying. But God, I know another story. God is saying the, the real reality is you are presented faultless before the presence of him with sadness, depression, shame. Does it say that? What does it say? Joy. Alyssa, what's it say? Joy. God presents, Jesus presents you to God with joy, like bragging. Have you seen a Rald recently, right? Job 1.10, a righteous man, right? Job 1.10, that's, right? Or Lenin, or Zoe, or Ray. Or, what, what are we saying here? God is saying, when you keep yourself in the love of God, when you build yourself up in the most holy faith, and when you look for mercy, the effect is this. You will stumble. Uh, he'll keep you from stumbling. He'll present you faultless. And you'll have an identity of joy. 
Isn't that awesome? Boy, that, that's so good. Praise God. Do I hear an amen to that? Amen. Any Pentecostals out there? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. And then he goes into who God is. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise. Again, addressing the Gnostics. Only him is, has ultimate wisdom. Be glory, majesty, dominion, power, both now and forever. Amen. Okay, amen. So, a couple verses here. Let me give you a couple verses just to look at. And then we can ask some questions. So, Romans 8.26. This is, uh, these are some good verses to look at. Titus 2.13. In Colossians 2.7. Okay. All right. Quick couple minutes. What did you hear tonight? What did you hear tonight? Real quick. Uh, who has not spoken a lot tonight? Uh, Tori, tell me something you heard tonight. Okay. Good. Tim, what'd you get from tonight? Uh, weird things can creep into the church and people are embracing. Mm-hmm. Good. Ray? Okay, good. Does apostasy have to happen? Does it have to happen? I mean, prophetically, yes, it has to, but does it have to happen in my life? No. It doesn't have to happen. All right, good. Zoe, what did you catch from tonight? <laughs> I know it's late. You guys are amazing. We're closing up here. Yes. Excellent. Good. Normalcy, right? Normalcy says, oh, that could never happen here, right? 9-11 taught us that horrible lesson, right? Oh, that could never happen here. Well, when you're asleep at the wheel, anything can happen. I like that. Like, again, be sober, be vigilant, for the devil is seeking as a roaring lion to devour you. Where is that said in Peter? Second Peter what? Second Peter what? Three what? Eighteen. Good. 
Mariana, do you want to say anything? Good. All right, good. If you knew a robber was going to come at your house at 11 o'clock at night, would you be like tucked in bed, right, eating nachos? No, you'd be there. You'd be there with your shotgun. I mean, wait a minute. <laughs> you'd be there praying on your couch. No. <laughs> you'd have your taser. You'd, <laughs> you'd call Josh on 911. All right, Alyssa, Chelsea, I'm always picking on this side. You guys are next. Jehu, you're next. Uh, Chelsea, tell me something. We're almost done. I'm squeezing out these seconds here. Jehu, help her out. What's something you grabbed tonight? Good. Good. That's a big one. That's a big one. Um, Andrew. Good. Excellent. What's the answer to complacency, Patrick? Keep your back door strong. Keep your back door strong. Okay, good. Good. Uh, Lennon, what, what, what's something else that keeps us from complacency? Three things. Salam. What are the three things? Olu, what's the three things? Josh, save the day. John himself. Yes, of course. But what are the three things we read? Yes. The Trinity is the answer to completeness. Yes. But specifically, we are what? Keeping ourselves in the love of God, right? You want to finish it? Uh, building yourself up in the most holy faith. Yeah. Praying and Spirit. Praying the Holy Spirit, not for a Honda. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. I, I forgive me. I should probably edit this out. I'm a little looking. The looking. Good. This is important. Building yourself up in the most holy faith, keeping yourself in the love of God, praying in the Spirit, and looking for mercy. These four things. This is what's going to keep our back door strong. This is what's going to keep us awake. And this is what's going to uh, keep us finishing strong because we're all capable of anything. And it's by the grace of God we're here and we're not naive uh, and we don't want the devil to take advantage of us. Right. Second Corinthians 4, 4. Right. So Jude is saying, listen, let's be aware the world might the world may be coming off the, the train, may be losing the wheels but it's not going to happen by the grace of God to me. Amen. All right, Father, thank you for our students. Bless them. Father, just really help us with these, uh, the content we learned in class. Um, bring it to our minds. Fill us with your spirit, your strength, and your joy. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you.
You're so edifying. Yes. Uh, then you think about that picture with the but then the opposite would be like 